the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And um, I just got a text from a friend of mine I'll tell you about in a moment. And I, I got to tell you, I don't disagree with his sentiments. So welcome. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see my lengthier writing, some of the stories I'm breaking over there, especially around January 6th video uh, and a lot more. Also visit PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll see the writings of myself and others there, especially John Schlafly. So uh, a lot to check out. And and uh, thank you for being here right now. Um, the Pro-America Report, I have to tell you, I usually don't bother with the following, this kind of wink today, what you need to know today. And the reason I don't bother with this type, this is going to be sort of sound like I'm griping or cursing at the fates. But I just want to explain to you that I received a text a few minutes ago from a friend of mine. And the friend said, uh, let me quote it to you. I'll look at it. Look at the actual text. He said, not uh, Emmer is a terrible pick for speaker. The Republican Party is inept. That was his message. And that's exactly right. Tom Emmer may be a nice guy. I don't think I've ever met him. He's been in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives for, I don't know, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. He worked his way up and became the chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee, which means he raised money and helped candidates run all those things. He might be all competent at that, but there is one disqualifying fact that came to light as he pursued being speaker. And that was that for a period of time, he was a paid, a paid spokesman for an effort to have a national popular vote, which would get rid of the electoral college and make it be a national uh, popular vote. So it doesn't matter if you're in Tennessee, your vote would count the same as from New York. Well, that sounds sort of good, doesn't it? Except when you realize that the electoral college had the um, knitting together of the country. It was pure genius and, and actually serendipitous because you wouldn't, you would not compete. You would not run for office anywhere but the six or seven biggest population centers, LA, New York, uh, Miami, a few others. That's what would happen because it's a popular vote contest. We're not a popular vote country. We're not a democracy. And here's the thing. If you know anything about politics and you might not know this, I'll tell you now. In fact, I will, um, uh, later I, I will have a chance to talk with Chris Skates, uh, on the program. He and I were talking about this very topic, but, there's a whole industry of uh, paid speaking gigs that come up when you're in politics and you have to be wary and be aware or you get sucked into them. And one of them is the national popular vote. And what they have is tons of money. It's mostly left wing money. 
It comes in and it's trying to open up the Constitution for a new constitutional convention and to get rid of the Electoral College. Now, think about it. Why does the George Soros groups that fund a national popular vote, why do they do it? Because they want a national popular vote. They know New York City is full of low information voters that they can persuade or brainwash and they'll just get them to vote. They'd rather have they would they don't just want to win New York State and get the electoral votes. They want to win the election by getting all those uh, uh, um, uh, popular votes. So once you know that and you're around politics a while and Emmert has been, you know, there's only two reasons to embrace the national popular vote. Either you believe it, which means you have terrible judgment, horrendous judgment about what makes America work, about what checks and balances are. I mean, just horrendous, basic judgment. If you tell me that you think the national popular vote is a good idea, I'm not saying that you shouldn't rail against the fact that there's, um, you know, uh, over-representation for some, you know, two people, two senators from Wyoming and two from California. I get why you can complain, but then I hope you'll step back and be mature enough to see that it's a kind of balancing thing. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that knits the country together. That's held us together. It's one of these incredible, um, providential in my mind, in my, my, in my analysis, it's providential. You can call it luck, but it's providential that we ended up this way. The only other reason to be for the national popular vote is for money is to get paid. And I, I, I told the story to Chris Gates. I'll probably tell him again. When I was on the Republican national committee, there was a very prominent, Republican National Committee member from another state, not from Missouri. That was where I was from. And he would go around and he was he was funded by the national popular vote. And he would say, want to come to a, a, a five star hotel in Puerto Rico or a five star hotel in Mexico. So I forget um, if it was uh, uh, which which place it was, but they were regular and you would get paid. Your wife and you would get paid to go to this five star hotel. Everything would be covered. Meals, drinks, overnights, all that for airfare. You put nothing out of your pocket. And the only thing you needed to do was go to a two or three hour seminar on the national popular vote. So what was that? Well, it was tons of money. And what they were trying to do was charm you into saying, hey, I like this lifestyle. I like this people. I think this is really cool. And they threw around money like wild. Now, again, I'm not saying people shouldn't get into politics uh, if they want to, for whatever reason they want. But if you tell me that somebody is a national popular vote paid spokesman, all you're telling me is they're in it for the money. And all you're telling me is that they're there to get paid. And that's not against the law. It's not against the law. I, I wouldn't do it. It's not my thing. But it's not against the law. So either he was really dumb and embraced a terrible idea, or he was just in it for the money. Either way. That's not the guy that we want to run the Republican Party house right now. Not right now. Not not in this moment. You got a chance to put an African-American conservative in his 40s as speaker. No, take the almost 60 or whatever or something guy who's an insider swamp guy. Now, I know why. The reason why is because the only voters are the 200 or so Republican insiders who live just like Tom Emmert Emmer does. And again, I'm not saying anything about them. I'm describing you will get nothing different from a Tom Emmert speakership than you would have from anybody else. In fact, it may be um, even less uh, dynamic because his personality is really laid back. But that's the kind of judgment that he has. It's just a terrible look. It's a terrible feel. It's a as my friend said, the Republican Party is inept. It's inept. They don't know how to set 
the um the dynamic they don't know how to set the um uh the uh um expectation and the image of what they're doing if you set it with dynamism instead of old guard and money and all you'd have a better shot at winning in 2024 as it stands now they're lining themselves up they're guaranteed tom emmert he may not win by the way he got the nomination for the republicans they've got to come together on the floor and see if they can agree to vote on this and i think he's like considered a nice guy everybody says he's a nice guy so maybe he'll pull it off but this nice guy, again, had terrible judgment or was in it for the money, maybe both. But it's not a good it's not a good move. It's not a good move. It's not it's not a smart move. It's not the move for this moment to seize the future, to be the dynamic party, to do something different. Really a mistake. And now I wonder what will happen. Uh, and by, by the way, I'm not even I don't even care that he made anti-Trump noises. There's a bunch of people that make anti-Trump noises. I'm not looking for purity of heart. I'm looking for people that are converted to the positions. America first, you know, putting our interests above the rest of the world, doing things that change the way people see us, meaning see America, not just individuals. It is um, it is really, really time to understand what the moment is. And Tom Emmert being elected speaker, being selected by the Republicans and now nominated is just it's just not a smart move. It's not a smart move. And they're not going to do anything different. That's going to be the worst part about it. I actually think what Byron Donald would have had to do was go do a lot of the stuff that has been done before. I mean, actually do things that, you know, spending that we won't like. But he would have the credibility with the conservatives to say, you got to bear with me. You got to bear with me. I got to do this. And I, I think that would have made a difference. I think people would have given him a chance and it, the dynamic would have been probably helpful to uh, to to find, to get uh, something going forward, something that would change the way people look at the uh, party and look at the future. And I, I you know, I don't um, I don't think this is the way. So we'll see what happens. There's still some uh, uh, hurdles to be done. And, you know, th- there was a promise extracted, which I think is very positive from every ca- candidate for speaker that they would release the January 6th video. Uh, we That promise has been made before uh, by uh, Speaker McCarthy for lots of reasons. He didn't live up to it. So we'll see. But they by by um, reports, they all made that promise. They all said that they would do that. And therefore, you have to think that that's going to be one of the things that a guy like Matt Gates is going to hold them to. And that could be a huge breakthrough. Um, that might be the huge breakthrough of this Congress, even if the rest of it becomes dog meat, if they actually put out the January 6th video and let we the people get to it and we the people go through it. That can change the whole dynamic of everything, of the of the politics, of these uh, lawfare lawsuits, uh, of all the things that are going on. So we'll look for that and see what, if we can find out what's going on uh, with that as we go forward. But that was reported by Matt Gates. He tweeted that, yes, all all of them had promised that they would release the January 6th footage. Um, again, what's a promise worth? Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see if um, if the uh, if they live up to it. All right. That's all we've got. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there and make sure you are getting our emails. And also visit PhyllisSchlafly.com. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll take a break and be right back. Talk to you in a minute.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while. I was thinking as I was getting ready for this interview, uh, Robert Borton's joined us, I don't know, in the last year or so. He's the CEO of Classical Conversations, which is an organization that supports uh, classical Christian homeschoolers. It's got quite a history. His mother was really one of the pioneers of uh, what I would call this sort of conservative classical homeschooling. And uh, one of her first uh, uh, guinea pigs was her son, among others. And uh, he has uh, grown up and and done well enough that now he's the CEO of the of the organization, Classical Conversations. And it's grown uh, amazingly, especially since COVID. I think that may have been when we were talking to him. But, you know, there was this there is this story, Robert. I wanted to tap into you. One of your people sent me your uh, reminded me that you're good on commenting on this. Um, and Senator Blackburn of, of Tennessee has has jumped in to tell the Homeland Security Agency to stop the deportation, this German homeschooling family. So we're letting the open border, the borders open on the on the southern border, people coming in, you know, with no idea who they are. And yet we're going to focus on a 15 year old fight to deport a homeschooling family. Tell us about this a little bit, Robert, and how and why it's important for people who want homeschooling, educational freedom going on in our country. And welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Ed. And yeah, the Romaiki family came over from Germany uh, 15 years ago. Uh, they were allowed to stay, allowed to work, allowed to become, uh, you know, not citizens, but uh, members of the community. They've uh, committed no crimes. They pay their taxes on time. The uh, Tennessee is a better state because of them being in it. And the uh, Biden administration uh, took an about face uh, from uh, previous administrations and uh, knocked on their door without any warning to tell them that uh, they were going to have basically one month uh, to get their papers and everything intact. And they needed to uh, return to Germany. And in Germany, it is illegal to homeschool. They will kidnap your children and put them into a uh, German home. You'll never see them again. Uh, so uh, they fled to the United States to uh, have the freedom that we have here to homeschool. And uh, the sad thing is that's one of the laws on Germans' books that was actually signed by one Adolf Hitler. So hmm. uh, we think that they're a Western country. Uh, yeah, but I was they, just going to uh, say. Right. I was going to say it's got to enlighten. The Germany dominates the EU and the European Commission and all that. And they're supposed to be so enlightened on issues and they have no uh, interest in homeschooling. But back for one second, we're talking with Robert Borton's again. His uh, his uh, business his uh, I'd say it's more than a business, but his life's work is uh, is um, uh, classical conversations. Go to classicalconversations.com. dot com. Tell me the difference in treatment. I mean, when when the, when the Trump administration was in, did they and maybe why didn't they make their status permanent? Is there not not a way that someone could have made their status permanent? Uh, well, they they had give, been given a permanent status, uh, oh. but it wasn't through the courts or by the legislators. It was uh, just through administration. And oh. even the Obama administration had given it to them. Uh, so this is uh, when, of course, Biden was vice president back then. Uh, so so now they are working on a bill, H.R. Four, five, four, three, two, I believe it is that uh, will give them permanent status. Biden has signed two of those before uh, to give other families permanent status in the U.S. So there is a administrative mechanism for doing it, uh, but it wasn't a high priority because no one was trying to uh, right. kick this family out. 
before. You know, um, I, I, there was a, a book, uh, one of the few books about the Biden administration in the last, uh, they came out in the last six months. I forget who the author was, thankfully. But one of the details was that the teachers union was um, uh, really running things, that Jill Biden is a teachers union member and the leadership of the teachers union. There was, you know, complete hostility to anything close to even charter schools. I mean, which, is you know, that that's a, that's another conversation for another day. So, OK, w- what happens now? I mean, having having a senator, uh, uh, Senator, um, um, jump in for you, you know, changes. Uh, Marsha Blackburn's got some clout. Is that, what, what are you hearing? What's the reality of this? Is there, is it going to be stopped? Uh, well, of course, I, I believe it will be. H.R. 5423 is uh, getting a lot of uh, action and Congress, I believe, will pass it. Uh, Biden administration will certainly have a lot of pressure. Uh, if they deport them, it'll be like a very stark contrast. Like you said, open borders. We've got criminals coming across. We know that China's setting up chemical uh, factories here in the United States illegally. Uh, there could be, you know, Hamas could have sent some people over. So th- I don't think it'll be politically possible not to allow them to stay uh, Mm -hmm. if we keep the pressure on them. And the best way to do that is to contact your congressman and tell them to support H.R. 5423. Um, And then once that gets passed, um, to make sure that uh, we keep the pressure on them to get Biden to sign sign it so they can stay. We're talking with Robert Borden. He's the CEO of Classical Conversations, supports classical Christian homeschoolers and all, all across the country, all 50 states, 30 foreign countries. Um, Robert, uh, talk to me a little bit about how homeschooling has grown um, and and the opposition to it. There is a lot of talk about for, uh, school choice, a lot of talk about um, changing how some of the systems are, are trapping some kids in schools. Are Along the same track, are you seeing protections and laws being passed that protect homeschoolers and, and empower? them I know that their numbers have increased and grown but is are you are you getting the legal protection you need and what's the sort of status with that that's what that's what came to my head when I saw this was man we need some more laws maybe not federal maybe local that that protect uh folks that are here create a a, a sort of barrier or momentum from uh getting grief from other states or the federal government yeah so uh the funny thing is, Ed, homeschooling wasn't legal in every state until 1993. And so when I was homeschooling right. early on, like we had to hide because it would be possible mm-hmm. for our parents to be fine. So freedom, you have to be eternally vigilant. Um, the laws in the United States are in general pretty strong and really good. And uh, because homeschoolers have grown to uh, roughly three million students, uh, which is about uh I would say about six to seven percent of the total population. And of course, a lot of people were being homeschooled uh, during COVID. Some some numbers I saw as high as five to eight million that um, the homeschool protections are pretty strong. And I think the biggest thing that we need to be aware of in the homeschool movement is uh, that uh, those those rights could be taken away at any moment. And so we can't just uh, think that those battles were won and they don't have to be fought anymore. Uh, we have to keep our eye on our the, our legislators and uh, we, we do that. So um, we keep an eye on that from a classical conversations perspective and try to alert our families. If we see something bad in their state uh, that the Um, legislators are trying to do. 
Robert Borden is again is our guest. He's the CEO of Classical Conversations. If you go to their website, classicalconversations.com, you'll see they've got a number of different programs, different age levels, different resources. Learn about homeschooling. Learn about uh, what can work. Look at their program. There's a lot of options there. Uh, Robert, you mentioned overseas, uh, also foreign countries. Um, and I guess one thing about the, your program that I, I I encourage you and I applaud, but it's it is it is um it's real. It's a it's a, a distinction. You don't hide uh, from from being Christian, you know, a classical conversations is a Christian homeschool program. You're you're not trying to be all things to all people or to sort of water this down to be multicultural. It's hey, th- this is what we are. If you don't want this, if you want something that's uh, pluralistic, that's a different program. It, I, I feel like that's turned a corner in terms of attractive for people and in, in in our country and our culture. Am I over reading that? Yeah, I think uh, people are seeing the fruit of uh, woke Marxism in our in our students. And I mean, even a prominent atheist will say that Christianity is good for society. So, I mean, even internationally, um, you know, Christians aren't as prominent, at least here as in the United States, uh, but they're definitely uh, very committed. And uh, we even have individuals homeschooling using our program in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. So there's a great sacrifice overseas um, to get your kids a great education. But if we send if Christians send their kids to Rome to be educated, they'll turn into Romans. And we see that in our own country where Christians have turned over our students to the government to be educated. And then we're surprised to see that we've got all of these issues brewing in Gen Z and uh, around the world. It's really uh, interesting. And, and, and to me, because you're kind of on the front end of this sort of cultural fight in a big way, in a, in a funny way. You're talking about teaching uh, the classical culture, but your classical curriculum, but you're uh, in, the, in the sort of front end of it. Uh, Robert Bortons, thank you again for the time. Thank you for updating us on uh, the uh, situation with the Romaki. How do you say it? How do you say that name again? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, Romaika is how I've okay. heard it pronounced Romica. the most. And tell, but... <laughs> tell me again that bill number real quick. We're almost out of time, but for people... People. It's in the U.S. Congress. Tell me the bill number again. Yeah, it is H.R. 5423. Okay. Okay. We'll put that up, too. Thank you. I got to run on a, on a deadline. Uh, Robert Borton's. And again, we'll put up on a, our uh, social media links to his uh, site and his work. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I I don't know, a month or two ago, three, four months ago, we talked with Chris Gates. He's an author. Uh, his book is Moonshine Over Georgia, a novel based on actual facts. It was a fascinating conversation about his book, but I also realized he has had this unique experience. He's, he comes out of science. He's a scientist, a chemist, which means he thinks things through and has uh, uses a sort of uh, reasoning and, and uh, kind of comes to understand things differently than, say, a poet. Uh, but he's also a speechwriter and a policy advisor, worked for uh, Governor Matt Bevin in Kentucky and also the Trump administration. Welcome back, Chris. How are you? Great to be back. I'm great. So so uh, you and I were talking off the air about speakers race. First of all, uh, <clears throat> you know, you got a lot of uh, sources. I was up on Capitol Hill last week talking to a lot of folks. It seemed like everybody thought they figured it out and then nobody figured it out. I mean, tell me some of your experience. You you, uh, you mentioned you thought Friday you had it figured out where it was going to go. But t- tell me what you were hearing and what's going on and maybe where where you think we are in general right now. Yeah, I've got a couple of pretty good contacts on the Hill and 
had a good conversation Friday afternoon and they were locked in. They were like, oh, it's going to be fine. Uh, we've got the votes at that point. I think it was Friday. It could have been Thursday. They, they thought Jordan was going to get it. Right. Forget what you're hearing in the media. He's got the votes. It's going to work out. Well, then afterwards I talked to him for just three or four minutes again, and they were as mind blown as all of the public. They were like, Okay, we don't. E- we're not even going to try to predict anymore. We don't know what's going on. So when the people on the staffs are as are as rocked by this as the public is, that doesn't give you a real warm fuzzy. But I will say this: to me, if we come out of this with Donaldson as the speaker, that could be a best case scenario. Uh, you, Byron Donald. You mean Byron Donald from Florida? Is that Byron Donald. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, he's a very talented guy. I think. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure at this point, and I'm interested in your perspective, Chris. If I'd wish this job on my worst enemy, because the first thing you have to do is pass some kind of spending bill, and and I think by definition, to get the job, you're going to have to at least sort of say you'll work within something like the system that they have. Uh, you know, and and you end up passing something. I think a lot of a, a conservative is going to go what? So I, I, you know. I don't know. I don't I don't know what this and and with this slim majority, um, if you can even envision how it would go. I, I, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think you nailed it. It's the classic no win situation. You could be George Washington and with the slim majority that you've got and the Senate that you're going to be dealing with, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. Uh, I don't think you're even going to be able to make people halfway happy. Yeah, but it is what it is. It's kind of a dirt sandwich and somebody's got to eat it and. So we can move on. Well, but and here's an interesting the, the interesting uh, fact of life right now. People don't understand. Um, it may feel like, oh, well, nothing bad is happening. Nothing good is happening. Nothing's happening and doesn't seem to be affecting things, except it's about to run out. Right. I mean, it was a 45 day. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Speaker McCarthy did a 45 day um, sort of gamble that he could hold on to his job. It didn't work. And we're probably about halfway through that. I forget what the date would be. So something's got to give. And, and the media will ramp up, whether it's real or not. It doesn't matter in the sense that the media will ramp up on this oh government shutdown government shutdown and uh here's a question i want to ask you chris again having uh been in in you know worked in a real job then uh state government and then the federal government um i i do think that this is um misunderstood you said this it's not really a large political thing it's a it's like high school it's the high school you know um s you know student government association there's only a hundred and maybe 220 they say or 218 but it's really a hundred or so that are the players in here and it's really down to less than that is, you know, who's winning and losing at this point in, ter- in your mind in terms of power or influence? You're right. It, it is so much like high school. And just a quick aside before I try to answer your question, when I would be before I got into government, I'd be at home. and I'd be watching something like the Fox All Stars or, or one of these panel shows. And right, I'd right. The, whoever the sacrificial conservative was, I would be screaming at the TV. No, say this. No, this is the counterpoint to that. And and they would never do it. And then the thing would end, and I'd turn to my wife, and I'd say, I think I'm smarter than some of these people. Well, then when <laughs> I got up there and sat in meetings with these folks, I realized I was right. The people that are up there doing this, unfortunately, a lot of them are geniuses. If they were really geniuses, they probably wouldn't be in politics. They'd probably be in the private sector making a lot of money. But as far as who's winning and who's losing, I don't know anymore. I heard something that blew my mind over the weekend on one of the talk shows. A liberal, I don't know what, what how I ended up on CNN. I was in a public place and it was on the screen. But she said, 
if the, if the speaker thing teaches us anything, it teaches us that appeasement doesn't work. Okay, that's coming from the liberal side. I'm like, lady, the, the left has been being appeased for 30 years in this country. What are you talking about? Appeasement doesn't work. That's well, how far we've moved. I, I, I that's mean, how far we've lurched to the left. I think what she means is... I think what she means is is uh, Nancy Pelosi knows how to play hardball, and and our guys, you know, we we I, well, no, I, I look, I think that the, the, the here's the here's the truth, Chris. I mean, you'll I think you'll agree with this. When people say, "Oh, there might be a deal with the Democrats for power sharing," they don't understand politics because the one thing that the Republicans want, all of them, is to stay in the majority. Because why? Because even if you're not a chairman or a subcommittee chairman, chairman of a committee or subcommittee chairman, if you're in the majority, you can still raise money and get influence with the power brokers because you're in the majority. It, it, yes. Whether it's whether it's just theater or not, and especially if you're a chairman or a subcommittee chairman, the last thing they want to do in about six months is give up any chance for that kind of power because they're going to be up for re-election and they're going to be and they're going to be moving in that direction which is why someone will become a a uh, a compromise problem is every time someone comes up i heard emmert as a as a compromise 10 days ago and he came up in the last three days and someone put out this video of him talking about the national popular vote which if you're if you're a sane conservative constitutionalist is insane and there he was and it is funded by soros types groups and all that so every time someone that could be a, a compromise is floated there's enough of a of a, an online army to take them down a notch that i i don't i just don't see him that may that may argue by the way for byron donalds who's relatively new you know two terms or less and and therefore doesn't have much of a track record and 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 check some other boxes like ability you know historic i do think um so i but I, again i don't know how um in this modern era you can get to in this kind of race because if the margins are too tight and the and the online army is too strong and the most powerful phrase you said and, and every i agree with everything you just said but is raise money right the, the system is so the swamp is so real and such a living yep. breathing nasty organism now that even you guys like like donald when, once they get up there they can have the purest motives in the world and be the most patriotic person in the world and the system almost pulls them into this mindset of money raising and what you said about soros here's how i saw soros operate on someone that i know personally i, I won't name them right good conservative guy a christian but he started getting these invitations to speak at these events for Soros organizations. Now, they're not stupid. They don't call themselves the George yeah. Soros Society. They right. call themselves the Patriot Fund or some crap like that. And they say, hey, we need a speaker. Uh, but look, we're, we're on a tight budget. We can only pay you $50,000 and put you up in a six-star <laughs> hotel. Right, right. And the next thing you know, this speaker, this representative, is starting to see the world the way the so-called Patriot Society sees it, yep. which is always way to the left. Yeah. And, and going back to what that lady said about appeasement, you may be right. That may be what she meant. But I think she meant that the left thought they were appeasing McCarthy oh. with that little bit of ground they gave, just I a see. tiny bit. Oh. And, and, and she said, okay, it didn't do us any good to appease McCarthy because the so-called right wing was too stubborn. Yeah. But what she doesn't realize is what she sees as appeasement is nothing to a conservative. It's just a, maybe a slight reduction in increased spending. 
Right, right, right. You know, uh, Chris Gates, our guest again, and I want to make sure to, to, to highlight uh, your your book, A Moonshine Over Moonshine Over Georgia, a novel based on actual facts. It's fascinating about his own family history, and we're out of time. But I want that's a very helpful story, uh, Chris. You told about someone who got sort of lured into the world of hey, come and give these speeches. A quick, my quick, uh, um, similar story was I was a member of the Republican National Committee, and there was a member on the committee who was funded by the National Popular Vote people, huge amounts of money, and he said, "All I want you to do is your wife and you are." are, are, are um, welcome to fly down to, I don't know, Puerto Rico, wherever it was, to the Ritz-Carlton. It'll be three days, all paid for, meals, everything paid for. There'll be three or four couples, you know, maybe somebody I knew. I forget now what they what the, the hook was. And all you have to do is go to one three-hour seminar on the national popular vote, and they'll wine and dine you. And I thought, and I, I said to my wife, you know, why don't we just go take the take the free thing and go? And, and you know, we didn't obviously, but that's exactly what they do. And they have tons of money yeah. behind it, and and uh, and they lure you in. Hey, I, I got to go, Chris. I'll put you on uh, on uh, speed dial though. We'll have you back on. I hope the book is going well. And uh, Chris Gates, everybody, we got to take a break though. I'm sorry to do that to you. I wanted to, you gave me a great uh, uh, entree, Chris, to tell that story. So thank you. Uh, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A headline in the liberal Los Angeles Times last year could not have been more clear. The reality of legal weed in California. Huge illegal grows, violence, worker exploitation, and deaths. More than five years after pot was fully legalized in that state, the vast majority of sales continue to be of illegal rather than legal marijuana. California's Merced County Sheriff Vern Warnke recently announced we literally have thousands of pounds of finished marijuana from an illegal grow and illegal source. Workers were forced to process marijuana while staying in horrible living conditions to pay back the individuals that brought them across the border, his office explained. This is just one example of the very dangerous elements brought in by the promise of marijuana profits. So it won't be the many family-run farms in conservative states like Missouri that benefit from this new billion-dollar enticement of violence, illegal aliens, and squalid working conditions. Instead, pot will bring more crime to conservative states like Missouri due to the easy ballot initiative process available in far too many states. Higher thresholds for ballot initiatives are an important safeguard to protect against out-of-state corporate money from enacting harmful laws through the ballot initiative process. When the potential profits are this big, shadowy out-of-state operations have no qualms about dropping big money to quite literally buy a new law in their favor. Congress rejects corporate pressure to legalize cannabis, as do most state legislatures. But spending tens of millions of dollars to push through a ballot initiative is pocket change to the cannabis industry, which continues to target conservative states like South Dakota and Florida, where ballot initiatives are allowed. Don't be fooled by rhetoric about democracy. Our founding fathers created a representative constitutional republic, and they did it for a reason. State legislatures act as a safeguard against threats like big weed and ballot measures are the backdoor by which the marijuana industry is able to circumvent these protections. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The hypocrisy and lies of the liberal media are alarming and even incite public unrest. But the fake news and the commentators whose slant coverage are finally being exposed. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to provide timely alerts and take effective action on your behalf. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, the last month or so has been really fun for me because I've been working with uh, Catherine Engelbrecht uh, and Greg Phillips, uh, who have worked together on True the Vote and other efforts. And they're the they're and Greg Phillips is spending much of his time on it. But Catherine Engelbrecht is one of the founders also of Open.Inc., this um, website that has a, is a clearinghouse for us to post a lot of the January 6th collection, as well as other stuff. But here's the thing. They're really very, very talented people and a really interesting and fun to work with. And I'm rem- I was reminded in the midst of all this that Catherine Engelbrecht years ago came to St. Louis, excuse me, <clears throat> came to Washington, D.C., pardon me, came to Washington, D.C. to be part of our collegians effort where we have our uh, college students, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles college students get engaged. And she addressed the group and we had a a dinner afterwards. It was me and her and Sidney Powell and John Schlafly and Roger Severino and a few others. And just extraordinarily interesting, talented woman, Catherine Engelbrecht. It's been really fun to work with her. I've known her for years now, obviously. And in the midst of all this work we're doing on the January 6th collection, which is over at open.inc uh, slash J6, extraordinary uh, thing that they're doing. Catherine Engelbrecht's got family issues. She's got a, a, her, uh, her own family she's taking care of. I won't go into the details of it. And then I realized she's being sued. I, I don't know if Catherine Engelbrecht, she was in jail like a year ago because of, of she got held in contempt by a judge because she wouldn't do what they told her in terms of of, of some of the overreach of, of uh, law uh, lawfare and courts. But and then she was ultimately let out, uh, got let out of jail, obviously. But I, I realized she's back in court and, it, and it's in three days or so from now later this week in Georgia being sued uh, for defamation for the 2000 mules effort, her and Dinesh D'Souza and the companies and all. And I remembered saying to someone, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, she she is attacked and and the use of lawfare. She was one of the early her organization, True the Vote, early um, groups and people targeted by the IRS uh, to complicate the way people would work and do their work. She was fearless in saying what was true about election fraud, about the problems of fraud, about the fact that Republicans, as well as Democrats, but importantly, even because she's a conservative and identified as a conservative, she was willing to say it about Republicans. They're not doing enough about elections. They're not be- being serious about elections. There, in other words, at a certain point, if you can see what the problems are and you can be shown what they are and you won't do anything, there's only one conclusion in the, in the sort of default position is you're in on it. You like the game rigged. And although Catherine Engelbeck was careful how she said that, she was very clear. She's like, hey, the system is not working. Who's going to address it? And lots of Republicans didn't want to. And my point here is she's probably been attacked and maligned for doing the right thing by more people on both sides of the aisle than anyone except that's not named Trump, honestly. And she has had to go through litigation time after time. I I recently brought up um, lawfare to her. 
in some context, and she was chuckled. And I, as, as she chuckled, I realized, what am I talking about? Lawfare, describing lawfare when I see, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Clark being railroaded and I see uh, John Eastman being attacked. And I was, I think I was describing some of that to her and she kind of chuckled. I mean, she herself has been through it. Uh, I mean, just one time after another. It's extraordinary. And yet, and yet, she, there she is still doing the same thing, which is doing the right thing and being a voice out there and not being afraid of it and not at all being without uh, joy. I mean, it, it's incredible. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm nervous half the time and I get worried and uh, stressed out over things. It's not even me. I'm worried about other people, including her, you know, uh, Sydney Powell. I mean, the other, one of the other people that was at that dinner with us. I mean, Sydney's been through just a, the, the ringer times a hundred, but it's nothing compared to what Catherine Engelbeck's going through. So my point in telling you all that is I, I want to make sure people realize she'll be back in court in Georgia being attacked for doing the right things. She'll be back paying the price for being out there. And what we need to support her in any way we can. True the Vote uh, is a great organization. That's her organization. You can always support that. There's lots of other ways to uh, to support her and what she's doing in terms of prayer. She mentioned when I asked her, what what can we be doing? It's true. The it's true. The vote dot org, by the way, is the website. And that it is a uh, an entity that um, does accept donations. If you want to support uh, their work, uh, they're they're in the middle of a lot of the lawsuits. They get sued themselves. So um, that's a good place to go. And also there's lots of resources on that website for ways you can get involved in protecting the election process. That's from the beginning what she's been doing. Uh, but she mentioned, I said, what could you do? She said, well, first of all, people can pray. Second of all, just raising awareness, which is one of the reasons I decided to do this segment, get people understanding and talking about what's going on, and then saying and supporting Catherine Engelbrecht in what she's doing. So it's good enough. It's great to pray for her. And I'm, I'm all for intentional prayer. I had a, a preacher tell me that last week. You got to be more intentional, be specific in what you pray for. Pray for Catherine Engelbrecht to succeed and do well. Pray for her organizations to succeed and do well. That's good. But uh, the other thing is to find ways to uh, spread the word and get people to understand who's fighting for us, who's on our side, who's actually doing stuff, not just tweeting, not just talking on a radio show, even, but actually out there building the organizations empowering people and fighting off the people that are trying to stop it. She's extraordinary. So uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, very much one of our, the great Americans of this time, who's not stopped fighting one minute in the face of incredible, incredible adversity. And so please uh, support her in what she's doing. TrueTheVote.org, again, is her organization. And uh, keep an eye out for and, and uh, for what's happening with her and uh, highlight it for other people. So there you have it. Um, I will put all that up on social media. We've got to uh, take a break now. I want to say thank you to Mason Mohan and Ryan Hyde, our producers, and all those folks at The Answer San Diego in San, uh, in San Diego uh, in the Salem Radio Network for helping us get the show on and get it out well. So we will uh, post all that up. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Don't forget uh, uh, open.inc slash J6 is where you can see the January 6th collection, another one of Catherine Engelbrecht's great projects that she's helping us do. So we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.